Welcome to the Lessons in Real Estate Show, bringing you information directly from industry leaders in multifamily and commercial real estate. Each week, Anthony Pinto interviews top multifamily experts and digs into the hard lessons learned on their pathways to success. We get real to give you a more comprehensive picture and help you avoid pitfalls others won't tell you about. You'll learn about raising money, growing your portfolio, and attracting investors to your cause. And now your host, Anthony Pinto. Welcome to another episode of Lessons of Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Anthony Pinto, and we are excited to have you here today. If you are enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star rating and review. If you haven't already, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Welcome to another episode of the Lessons of Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Anthony Pinto, and we're absolutely thrilled to have you here today. So uh, our guest today is uh, one of my very good friends, mentors, and uh, master connector, Melanie McDaniel. Um, I, I just want to kind of read her bio word for word because it, it, it really stood out from a lot of other bios that I see where are just kind of bullet points of facts. Um, so hopefully I caught all the B's and I's and uh, replaced them with Melanie. So here we go. So uh, Melanie is a product of the American school system. She's taught to go to school, get good grades, get a job. She was raised to have an employee mindset, work a job with a pension, put away money into a 401k or IRA, and live within her means. The Purple Book changed her life completely. Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad changed the way she thought about money. It took her about three years of nonstop learning through books, podcasts, webinars, and even a guru training program to give her the confidence that she could walk away from a steady federal job to follow the path of passive income through real estate. She eased into full-time real estate as a real estate agent, quickly found a niche in helping investors, which is how I met her. As she uh, continued to learn, she uh, started to quickly see that scaling to apartments was her preferred route. She became a, a coaching student at Michael Blanc and attended a number of conferences in order to learn as quickly as possible and to meet people in the field of syndication. It became clear that her interest in investor relations and raising capital for other operators' deals uh, was where her focus was. And uh, that's where she is now, transitioning from real estate agent to a full-time syndicator with her focus on capital raising. Wow, Melanie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, it's it just when I first read this, I was like, wow, this is I just I feel like I'm going through your life and your journey, just kind of following following your your bio here. And in and in one paragraph, I really got a sense for you know what how you kind of transitioned yourself into um, you know that that federal mindset because I mean I know you used to be in the Navy and then you got into uh, working in the Park Service and then now you're you're real estate. So it's just it, it really kind of. It helps me kind of follow your train of thought and and kind of get the flow for this um, this interview. So I, I really appreciate you sending your bio like that. For sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> oh. All right. So if you didn't already catch it, uh, you can kind of give a background on Melanie. But um, so kind of give us a, a rundown on on how you got to where you are now, because it is it's very unique your your kind of path. I mean, you you lived all across the country. You did a whole bunch of different jobs. So how did you land to where you are now? So I like I said in my bio, I mean, I was raised a certain way, a certain way of thinking. I had a dad who, he worked for the prison system, retired from that. My mom, she was kind of an entrepreneur, but she stayed in the same job with the same firm. She's a court reporter. So I have never in my whole growing up years known an entrepreneur, except for someone who was close to me who ended up, you know, stealing all the money from the company and, and, and died at a young age. So that was my only like exposure to, uh, Entre being an entrepreneur. So it wasn't something I've, I've known about. So it just, it just took a long time of being moldable uh, and open-minded to a new way of thinking. It, um, 
because I was very set in my ways, very live in your means, you know, save money. I was very strict with my money. And then it just takes one little seed that gets planted, even from someone you don't want to hear from, um, which was an ex-husband of mine. He, he was a trust fund baby. So he thought about money a lot different than I did. And uh, we butt heads on that. That's why we're not together anymore. But a little seed was planted. Somehow a little book got in my hands, that rich dead, poor dad book. And after that, all bets were off because I started reading things that made way too much sense uh, about our money making money for us instead of us making our money. So I think just what I realized over time was I am an entrepreneur at heart. Like that is who I am is I build and grow. And that's why, like you said, I've lived all over the country. I've actually lived in other countries um, through the journey, uh, whether it was with the Navy in Italy, I'd gone back for a language study. Um, I've lived on both coasts multiple times. So I'm just a mover. I think I'm a, I like to grow things. And even now I'm going through a transition where I was a real estate agent for two and a half years. Uh, it was a huge transition from being a federal law enforcement officer. It's like my two year thing. I, I, I last for two years and then I get this itch to go build something new. So I'm in the middle of that right now, but it's not without education, meeting people, networking. Uh, another thing I learned about myself in this journey when I was a federal officer uh, for the, the park service, uh, I wanted to do everything but my job. I had 200 and something volunteers, a mountain bike unit. I made my rounds. Uh, I lived in California at the time to all the fire stations in the area. If I showed up on scene and there was a, an engine there, I knew if it was A, B, or C day and which captain was on the engine. And I was like the face of our park unit. And that's just who I was. I was a networker. I didn't even know it. Someone else had to tell me, Melanie, you're a really good connector. I didn't know that until I was in my 30s. And I just started feeding on my strengths instead of what I thought I needed to feed on. I can survive and excel in any environment, but when it's truly natural for me or something I enjoy or believe in, like real estate, it's much easier to just go with what your natural abilities are than to fight it and try to be something you're not. Oh yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. And and it's interesting that you kind of start off with, um, you know, opening your mind to to different prospects and and overcoming your limiting beliefs. Is, you know, I, I feel like a, a lot of people would um, would be really uncomfortable with how you kind of how you jumped around and and you know and got that itch to to move on to the next thing and be an entrepreneur. And you know, some people are just homebodies and they just have these limiting beliefs about what they can do, what their potential is. Um, you know, whether that's starting a business, getting into real estate, moving across the country, traveling to other countries, like the, all the things that you, you've done, it's just, it's really a testament to your entrepreneurial spirit. And I, and I really appreciate that about you. And, you know, whenever I, ever I talk to people about you, I just it's like, yeah, Melanie, she's a, a, the master connector. She always connects me with this person and that person. And like, I feel like half the people I know in this area now are, are through, uh, talking with you and you connecting with us. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's great that you're kind of you're you've taken advantage of those strengths that you have in moving it into into real estate. So um, so you so you came up on the two year two and a half year mark now, and you're moving on to the next thing. So are you sticking with real estate? Or are you moving into apartment buildings? It sounds like you're you're kind of getting into that syndication phase now. Yeah, I'm I'm very much in a, a point because I thought when I decided a couple months ago I was going to move. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get my license. I'm gonna do exactly what I did here because it worked, and but I'm gonna do it faster and better. So that was my intention up until maybe a week ago. And then of course my little brain starts thinking about, I ultimately want to work from a computer 
all over the world. I want to be what we've coined the new term of digital nomad. Um, it's not so new. If anybody's read the four hour work week, you might have might, might know what this is. But I want to work from my computer. So I am location independent. I don't have to be anywhere at any time. And as a real estate agent, that's impossible. And I'm kind of like, I'm over it. I'm kind of over it. Like move on to the bigger and better thing. I'm excited about apartments and larger deals um, because like one of the transitions from single family to apartments was if you have a single family house, and I've had this before, uh, I had a turnkey rental in Missouri, in St. Louis, and when it's vacant, it's 100% vacant, where if you have a 100 unit apartment and you have a one unit that's vacant, it's 1% vacant. So very quickly, I started to realize the benefits of scaling and getting more doors under one roof. And then um, you just have more protections, but you have all the same positives of a single family. You get the tax benefits, you get the, the appreciation, you get the cash, you get everything, but on a larger scale, and you don't have to go it alone. Typically with a syndication, you've got a team of people. So um, lots of different minds, you know, thinking together, I think is, is better. People catch things that you missed. Um, so yeah, I'm moving into syndication. And what I've realized um, starting the coaching program with Michael Blanc back in February, I first thought, oh, I'm a deal finder. I can, I like to negotiate. I did, I've always known I didn't like numbers that much. So <laughs> that's, that's good. Um, but I thought I wanted to find deals, negotiate deals, do due diligence, I, and potentially capital raising. But in my journey of the coaching, uh, I went to Dealmaker Live in, in the summer. And one of the biggest takeaways was my own clarity. I think it's super important on some of your questions that you prepped me with is finding the clarity, whether it's clarity of who you are and what your strengths are or the clarity of where you're, you're going. Because if you don't have a destination, you're, you're not going to, you're going to get wherever you get. But if you don't have a destination, you don't get to your destination, whatever that is. But of course, on the same token, you can't plan too far out because things change exponentially, but you have to have a plan of some sort. So um, my plan is to be the money raiser. I've learned even since Dealmaker Alive that what I want to do is connect people, educate them, and find a solution. It's about them, not me. It's about helping people have passive income so they can free their time up to do the things they love. So um I realized I don't actually like finding deals because why? I knew I was supposed to call brokers every five minutes and I don't. And then I don't follow up. And why am I not doing these things? Because I don't love it. So once I realize I don't love that, I can let it go. Find someone who does love to do that and do what I love to do. Um, the deals that I have found, I've just fallen in my lap. I didn't really do anything to find the 24 unit I've got under contract here in Ocean View or the one that we had under contract out in, in Greensboro. They just literally fell into my lap. <laughs> so I'm not a deal finder. They just, it's accidental. So I think just figuring out the clarity, knowing who you are and what your strengths are is, is the biggest takeaway for what I can share with people today from my journey. Wow. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, you're, you're spot on with the clarity thing and, and is, you know, the, the journey is part of it, but if you don't know really where you're going, you could end up on the totally wrong path. Right. Um, you know, like I kind of started in the smaller single families and smaller multifamilies. Like I thought I was just going to go build by building and rack up a whole bunch of units. And then apartments came along. It's like, well, what am I doing? Wasting all my time doing these smaller deals. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, what's that? 
it is a journey and it takes a while to find the clarity. So if people are in the middle of that murky murk, it's fine because I was there too and you don't know what you don't know. But when you know, it's like the light bulb goes off, you know. When you know, you know. That's right. <laughs> so we've, uh, we've had a lot of conversations about um, the, kind of the mindset thing and, and, you, and you're self-proclaimed not a number person which, you know, makes, it kind of makes sense you know, knowing you as, as a person um, and, and you find people that can fill that, that void for you or that gap that you're missing in and, and bolster your weaknesses there. And I think, I think that's amazing. I think you're a great, you know, team builder. And so on that note, like you came in two and a half years ago and you've just been crushing it here as a, as a real estate agent. So how did you go from, you know, moving to this area, not really doing real estate and not really having a background in that? to building a super effective team and now kind of leaving that team to, to continue on without you. Like how, how did you go through that process? Is that something you just kind of have naturally been able to do? Did you trial and error it? How did that go for you? I would say it was a lot of trial and error for sure. I did not have guidance. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anybody. When I got here, the first brokerage I went to for six months, I actually, I just did what I thought worked. Bigger pockets was huge. Probably 80% of my business has come from there. Um, I wanted to give back to people. That's how I felt I would get it back, like the whole karma thing, you know, give, 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 receive, and it worked. So um, I did, I started a meetup the, the day I got to town, I think three or four days later, I had my first meetup and I've been doing it every month ever since. And it is the foundation for my business. Uh, I, I'm a millennial, even though I'm a very old millennial, we would call ourselves <laughs> probably ex annuals We're a special generation, um, you know, that we were raised without the digital, but we were also in our formative years introduced to it. So I'm kind of the best of both worlds, I think, <laughs> as far as my generation goes. But people, even though we're a digital community, people crave connection. So not only would the meetups provide that, um, when I would meet a client on bigger pockets, I would get them on a zoom call real quick so they could see me, even though they're from a different state or, or not near me, I would get them as close to in the flesh as possible, which was like a zoom call. So I think that was a big piece of my business, but you know, it was a slow build. And then I, I just did it on my own for a long time. And then I had so many people to serve. I couldn't even serve them all very well. They just started falling through my fingertips that's when I brought on a partner and, um, well, well a, a team member. Uh, and then shortly thereafter I needed another one and it just grew very, I didn't, I never intended to start a team ever. I was, was just going to be a one person show. Um, but people wanted what I had to offer and I couldn't help all of them. So I needed the team. And then I'm just very selective with who I choose. It has, they have to be the right person. I, I'm, I can't train someone to be, a server, a servant of others, they have to have it in them. And that's what we do. We serve, we give, 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 and then we receive. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, that's really key for just being an investor in general or being a business owner is adding value to people, right? Whether that's in a monetary essence, whether that's just in knowledge, you know, whatever, whatever fashion that, that, you know, takes form. And I think adding value is absolutely, it's absolutely key because it, like you said, it, it ends up coming back around. You know, it may take a it may take a while. It may take two and a half years, but you know, it just it once it gets going, it just kind of snowballs and snowballs, and the next thing you know, you're talking to people you never would have imagined you'd be talking to, and and um, you know, dealing with with situations that you never thought would you would be possible, and and here you are building a team that's what it's what four people now, 
well, we're four, okay. so there's three of them, and I'll leave and support them. Um, but eventually, I'm giving them the team because I don't want to be divided. I don't want to do a crap, you know, a so-so job on three different jobs. I want to be all in on whatever I do. So it's just a transition period for my runway when I move. <laughs> like, hey, please give me six months, <laughs> and I'll support you. And then, then it's their team after that. And because they have an ownership of it, they know it's going to be their team. That's it's the buy-in. And that was very intentional on my part. I wanted them to, to feel it was theirs. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And it, and it really resonates to me because I, I, I feel like that's very much a, a military, maybe maybe more so Navy type thing. It's taking ownership of, of your team, right? Um, especially with submarines, like it's your team that's going to get you back to shore or not, or surface the ship, right? It's you and 150 other guys. And with you, it's you and, and three other people working together to solve the problems of your investors, continuously find new properties for them, right? Add that value in whatever way you can. And, and you know, I think it's really a testament to military investors in general is, is taking that, that mindset of, of team building and taking ownership of, of a property or a deal or whatever and following through with it to the end until mission completion. Um, and, and I think you're really a testament to that. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, so I kind of want to... Uh, change gears here a little bit and I want to dig more into the mentoring side of you being a coaching student. So I, I feel like there's a kind of a, a couple camps on the idea of a mentorship. Um, some people are totally for it. You know, they're all in. It's like, why don't you have a mentor? Like you're done for not having one. And then the other end, people can kind of say like, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily worth it. Like, is it worth it? It's $50,000 to spend on the mentor. Um, you know, what do I really get out of that? So as someone who is going through a mentoring program, um, what, obviously it's working for you. So, so what are your thoughts on getting into a mentoring program and, and has it been beneficial to you and do you, do you continue to get benefit from it? Well, I do believe in investing in your education. It's the most, um, you'll get the most money on your return if you invest in yourself first. You know, it should always be included when, you know, your first 10%, if you're a tither or a giver, 10% for making yourself better. There's like certain things you should invest in and yourself is, you are your biggest asset, bigger than any piece of real estate. So um, I think there's a lot of guru training programs out there that are probably overpriced. They're probably not providing the value. Um, but at the end of the day, it's up to the individual to take what they learn and do something with it. I spent $27,000 on my rich dad, poor dad training. People are like, well, do you think it was worth it? Whatever. I'm like, well, I am where I am now. Everything turned out fine. Had I not done anything with it, it would have been a bad investment. But that's on me. That's on me. So this, what I'm doing with Michael Blanc, to me, it's, it's worth it. Um, the price has changed a little bit since I've gone in. The prices keep going up every time there's an event. But when there is just supply and demand, you know, there's only so many coaches, so they can only serve so many people. So they increase the price, which increase decreases, you know, the number of people that go in. So I get it. It's just a business decision. I had a call with another guy. Um, I'm not going to tell you who he is, but <laughs> his program is $42,000. He's done like two deals, guy. But, I mean, anyway, <laughs> the person raises a lot of money, but they've only actually been an operator on a couple of deals. And they are charging $42,000 to teach you how to build a platform. So I don't know. But for if it's one-on-one -on -one training and it's going to change your life, then you can't put a dollar value on that. Yeah. So I don't have the right answer. Um, I do believe in investing in yourself. And personal development 
and then learning about your trade, those two things. Um, I, you have to invest, you have to spend it somewhere. I just, I guess, pick your, your path wisely. Um, for a mentor, I think it's very important to have a mentor. I actually have a coach, not a mentor. Coaches are typically paid, mentors aren't always paid. I think at a minimum, you need to find a mentor. But a mentor is not going to just give you their time for free. It's got to be a trade um, of either your time and energy or your money, one of the two. Because mentors, people who really are in the business making stuff happen, they don't have time unless you bring them some sort of value. Yeah, and I think that's a, a really an important uh, note there is that, you know, I, I talk with those people all the time and they're just, they kind of just like in your face about like, Hey, like I need mentorship. Would you be willing to kind of help me with this, this, this? And then it just, it, it turns into a one-sided relationship. And, um, at the end of the day, like I only have 24 hours or, you know, your mentors only have 24 hours or the coaches to provide you with whatever knowledge and experience they can and help you whatever means they can. Right. So, you know, be appreciative of that time, right. Understand that like the time they're spending with you, they can't be doing other things. Right. So understand that, you know, you have to be, you have to have a two way road there, right. You just can't constantly take, 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 and you need to provide some sort of value add there. And, and I think that's really important for, for people, especially getting started is how you approach these mentors, right. And not from a, can you help me do this? Or can you provide some, you know, experience or money or whatever, take me under your wing. But like, how can you as a new investor provide value to that individual, right? So that it's not just a one-sided street that's a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah, for, for newbies, sure. For, for sure. But I think even as even you and I, and in our next step, or even our mentor's next step, my, my coach has a coach. My coach's coach had a coach or has a coach. Like the, the most um, affluent people, you know, the biggest entrepreneurs out there, whether it's Tony Robbins or Michael Blunt or whoever it is, they still have a coach. Like they always have had you have to, and at some point you're not going to have one coach. You're going to have a business coach. You're going to have a personal development coach. You're going to have, you know, as you make more money, you will invest in more coaches. But yes, for the individual just getting started, um, it could be a, a real estate agent who knows what they're doing. It could be another investor, like just tag along, pick up nails, make phone calls for them, cold call. I don't, I don't know. Whatever you can provide, you have to bring some value to them if you don't have money bring them a deal, bring them a connection, something. Definitely. So I, I want to go back to something you said with a mentor. So uh, it sounds like you did a lot of research into getting what into getting into the coaching program specifically with Michael Blanc. So in your process, how did you, what, what type of factors or what went through your mind when you were evaluating, okay, is this a good mentor or a coaching program? Is this not a good one? Like what type of things really stood out to you or your, you know, good way or a bad way about these different mentoring programs that kind of made you settle on one in particular? I think with Michael specifically, I just liked him as a person. Um, and in his events, he didn't, he wasn't so big that he was behind the curtain when he wasn't speaking. He was in the room talking to people. He was human to me and he had a good story. He had failed and succeeded and failed and succeeded. So um, I, I just liked him as a, a person, I guess. Uh, Honestly, I don't analyze too hard. I go with my intuition. <laughs> I no. trust my gut a lot. And whether or not I made a good choice with the rich dad, poor dad, or with Michael, I, I don't know. But I am where I am now, so it's fine. I'm happy with, with what I've got going on with Michael. But honestly, I didn't sit down and analyze. I didn't look at any other program. I went to his event. I met him. I liked him. And other people were there that were in the mentoring program, and they were 
pretty happy with it. So I'm like, okay, here's my check. I mean, I don't, I don't nuke it. Can I say that? Does yeah, that no, you? that's fine. <laughs> I, I don't offended by that at all. Cause I, I definitely said it every day and my wife says that to me too. So um, no, I mean that it, to your point, I think intuition is really important. Uh, I mean, this, this business is, is very much about people, right? And sometimes it's the facts can be deceiving, right? Whether that's about a deal or about a person and really like face to face and getting to know that person and, and going with your gut can really make a difference between if, if this is going to be a bad deal working with this person or an awesome deal. Right. And you just, you really kind of get that, that, that feeling when you really get to know someone in the first time. Um, especially if you're going to be working as passive investors or an active investor or however that relationship manifests itself. So, you know, I, I think intuition shouldn't be discounted at all. I think it's a, a super important trait to have. And, and the fact that, you know, your gut led you to where you are now obviously has, has proven successful for you. So, um, no, I think that's a really good point to, to talk about for sure. So, all right, Melanie, well, um, we're going to get into a snapshot round if you are ready for it. Ready. Awesome. All right, here we go. Snapshot, tube two. Yeah, first question. What is the number one thing you need as a new investor to get started? Well, I had written down mentor. I think it's super important. Um, but before a mentor, you need to have some knowledge. You need to do your part and do some learning. I spent three years of listening to podcasts, reading books, and whatever before I jumped in. But not saying people have to do that because I'm, I'm, I'm a thinker. Um, feeler and a thinker, but I would say knowledge and a mentor are the first two things. Okay. All right. Next question. Uh, what is one nugget of investing knowledge you want to give us that you haven't already? Or if you want to go, you go back to something you talked about. Um, I would say as an, well, if you're just doing investing for yourself, then that's fine. But if you're doing something like raising capital or you're putting together a deal, it becomes not about you at all. If you're an operator or sponsor or, you'll, or whatever, it's not about you. It's about your investors getting them the returns they need. And um, it's not always about the returns. It's about the story behind what it is you're doing. Um, so the nugget of investing knowledge, figure out your why and make it not about you. Perfect. All right. And then you kind of stole my last question here, but uh, what is your dream? What is your why? My, my dream is to work from a computer all around the world. I mean, really, my dream would be to have enough passive income to make, my, make me financially free. And the goal was 40. So for me, that's just about two years from now, which is totally doable. So that's my target. That's my dream. But once, um, once I have the passive income, I just want to live in the world and experience cultures. And I don't know, at this point, that's my why. I don't have too much beyond that. but. Um, taking my, my little people, my nieces and my nephew and showing them the world. I don't know. At the moment, that's my why. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, I, I totally understand. I want to go travel the world and, and get around and see everything while I'm still young and don't have kids and, you know, still able to physically able to go to visit everything. So that's awesome. I definitely, definitely agree with you there. So, all right, Melanie. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on today. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, how can people learn more about you or contact you? Well, I'm going through this transition. So a lot of the real estate agent stuff is going to switch to the, um, like all the public stuff will switch to some sort of capital raising thing. My new company is called Freestyle Capital Group, but I haven't launched Ooh. anything yet. 
Okay. But um, they can find me at Instagram, McDan or Melanie Loves Real Estate. That's my handle, or Facebook, Melanie McDaniel Real Estate. For now, it's nothing too exciting going on those because I have to create the next platform. But for now, that's the way they can find me. Freestyle Capital Racing. I, I like that. I like that name. Freestyle Capital Group. Mm -hmm. Capital Group. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And we'll. And uh, the little yes. handle on that is financial freedom, lifestyle design. So that's what the freestyle is. <laughs> no, I like, I, I mean, I, I like that you have a story behind it. It's, it's catchy. It really kind of draws people in. I, I like it. Yeah. My target audience is going to be the, the free, the people seeking financial freedom, but specifically tour like travel people who want to travel and have that financial freedom because I am going to Thailand in January, February. So lots of my platform will be built from there. And then in the fall, I have a six month um, remote year where I go to six countries in six months. So there will be, it will be highly directed at people who have the same interests. For so. sure. Wow. That's, that's awesome. You know, I, I'm really excited to see how your journey goes in the next you know, few months and you're definitely gonna have to come visit us in Japan. Yes. You know, we may have to stick you in a closet somewhere, but <laughs> we'll definitely have to host you. You can come visit us for the Olympics or something. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. <laughs> awesome. All right, Melanie. Well, I appreciate you coming on today. I've definitely learned a lot, and it's it's always a pleasure talking with you. And and you know, I'm, I'm sad that we're going to be parting ways. You're going to be moving out of the area, but you know, I I think it's you're moving uh, first. True. That's true. <laughs> Only by a couple of weeks. So, <laughs> um, but you know, that that being said, I, I really treat, appreciate everything you've you've done for for me and in my investors and my group of people and my family so yeah. um you know i'm over I, <laughs> true i i look forward to continuing to you know doing business with you and hearing about your life and we'll eat some sushi together soon how's that sound i'll have vegan sushi but yes <laughs> okay vegan sushi fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> all, all right, right. thank you for listening to lessons of real estate show and we hope you enjoy this episode Please leave us a five-star rating and review, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. But wait, there's more. If you're interested in multifamily investing and don't know where to get started, we're offering a free guide to analyzing and picking a market. All you have to do is visit our website at pintocapitalinvestments.com and join our mailing list, where you can receive updates and investment opportunities if you qualify. Again, the website is pintocapitalinvestments.com. Thank you for listening, and catch you next time on Lessons in Real Estate Show.